Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to Bet the Edge. Good morning, as always. Thanks to those of you watching on our NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel with the whale capper, Drew Dinsick. I'm your host, Sarah Perlman. Packed show on this Wednesday. Brad Thomas is here. We'll find out where he sees value on the board in Premier League after a week off from action. It is Wednesday, so Will Gray's joining us shortly. He'll tell us who he's backing as a favorite on the PGA Tour in Vegas. And points that head trader Jay Croucher is coming on the show to detail where he sees action between the Bucks and Eagles for Thursday night football and how they're setting prices now in Major League Baseball playoffs. We also have our edge of the day and so much more coming up here on Bet the Edge powered by PointsBet. Big show, a lot to get to, Drew. I'll just leave you with this. Happy pumpkin spice season. We look folly. We're ready to go. I hope everyone grabs their pumpkin spice latte or whatever else you drink during fall and get ready to bet on some sports. Pumpkin spice season, soccer season, football season, you name it. And let's start with some European soccer. We welcome in Brad Thomas on this Wednesday. Brad, thanks for being with us. I looked at some of your plays. We typically get a heads up on things you're looking at. And one that stood out and really intrigued me is going to be West Ham. And they're playing Everton. I look at the standings for the Premier League. Everton actually looks pretty impressive. Maybe not the flashiest team, but ultimately getting some wins across the board. They're now coming off of a week off Premier League action. But these two teams do tend to play each other toughly, historically. What are you liking in this Everton West Ham game? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm liking West Ham as a draw no bet play. Uh, the reason I like West Ham, like if you look at this matchup, naturally think Everton's going to win. West Ham has played terrible defense all season. You know they're bottom ten in expected goals allowed per game. But we have to look at Everton's success. Yes, they're fifth on the table. They're three one and one in their last five. But those wins are against Norwich, Burnley, Brighton, who is playing well, and Southampton. Well, look at West Ham. They played a very, very congested European schedule. You know, they've, they've had Europa matches and they've gone ahead and played Premier League matches, excuse me. And they did a lot of that without Michael Antonio. Well, now they're finally healthy and they're playing against an Everton team who's not healthy. And, you know, the spread and the total makes total sense if you want to, you know, go attack goals or you're not really liking West Ham and you want to back Everton. But this is a team, like I said, who has not lost a road competition all season. There's just too much value to pass up there. I really do think that this is a good pivotal moment for West Ham to finally attack and win a game. And at worst, we get a draw and we get our money back. That's a fair play, man. Uh, Right now, Everton is currently attracting 44% of the bet count, 51% of the handle with the rest going to West Ham and the draw. Uh, So interesting 
market activity there. Brighton uh, and Norwich City is a match that I was initially caught up. I love these kind of coin flippy matches where you have once, you know, you have about the same price on the dog and the draw, but then, uh, you know, the the, uh, the favorite is still plus money on the money line. And that's what we find with Brighton at plus 106 currently, draw plus 230, Norwich City plus 260. Brighton hasn't necessarily, you know, they haven't necessarily taken the league by storm, <laughs> but they have won their last two Premier League matches versus Norwich. Norwich City. Do you think that they can continue their form against this side? Yeah, this was a match that I was very excited about because I think we have an opportunity to hit both bets in Brighton winning on the money line and the under. So if we look at Norwich, you know, bottom of the table, they're awful. Minus 14 goal differential, dead last in expected goals, dead last in expected goals allowed and have been shut out five times. Now, this is a very strong Brighton defense. That's what's really getting them on that sixth place ranking. But they also struggle to score, and much like Everton, they're, they don't have a good bill of health. They're pretty pretty banged up, but they still play stout enough defense where you know this could be a one or two score game. I think that we see this shape up to finish with Brighton winning a close one, 1-0, and it gives us the opportunity to to cash both the under, which the price has gone, you know, it's ballooned a little bit, but also getting plus money on Brighton winning money line. I think the reason most of the money is coming in on over two and a half goals in this Brighton Norwich City game is strictly because it's in plus money. The under, which obviously is the favorite, as you mentioned, minus 140. While we have you, I have a few things to say. Um, one, Brad, if I were to set odds for the best Halloween decor on this show, you're minus a thousand. You've been lights out. That's what I'm looking at. Secondly, are there any other plays in the futures market uh, while we have you for a second in the Premier League that you think offer some value? Right now, I'm going to stay pat. I kind of want to see what happens in Champions League. When we start getting, you know, the Manchester Cities and and the Liverpools who start getting really, really congested schedules, that's when you can start to fade. But, I mean, if Chelsea slips up one more time, and I would kind of be tempted to take them. They're, they're still very good, and they still are top five in expected goals allowed. And, you know, they went through that rough patch of not being very creative and not scoring at will, but they have Lukaku and they have a great defense. Okay, good to know as we start seeing more Champions League play when to get back involved in the futures market for Premier League action. Brad, thank you so much. You could follow Brad on Twitter if you're not already at Mr. Brad Thomas. So much content and handicapping of these matchups in the Premier League available on NBCSportsEdge.com. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, guys. We appreciate you guys listening to us here on Bet the Edge. Wherever you're listening or watching, hopefully on our YouTube channel, be sure to sign up, rate the podcast. We're giving you actionable information every single weekday, just about 30 minutes or less. The lines move quickly. So in order to gain an edge with us, you got to make sure you're signed up. Yep. Hit us up on Twitter as well. We love to hear from you. It is, a, again, a very active time. So whatever you have, uh, tips in MLB playoffs, tips for CFB, uh, either outrights or uh futures or who do you think will win the heisman let me know at whale underscore capper and reach out to sarah at sarah perlman in just a little bit we're going to have jay croucher head trader at points bet get into the heisman market because it is wide open so that's a great point true
you have tips for golf, like this guy, Will Gray, coming on the show, hit us up as well. And, Will, we rely on you for this two-week stretch in Las Vegas. It's ending this weekend, of course. Seven of the top ten players in the world competing in the CJ Cup in Vegas. Certainly does help make a case, I think, for Las Vegas residents to perform well. Las Vegas has a lot of noise. And certainly you can get involved in some other stuff outside golf, weather, courses, etc. So, Kind of knowing that, are there any Las Vegas residents or guys from there that you're targeting for the CJ Cup? Yeah, two weeks is an interesting time to spend in Vegas. I don't, you know, usually you try and go three or four days, 13 days is a little. I have two nights, Will, two nights for me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So first of all, when you look at this, it's it's two weeks back to back in Vegas. But you have to understand these two events are very different. Last week was a full field event, regular cut. This week, 78 guys, limited field, no cut. So everyone's playing four rounds. And all of a sudden, we've seen some of these big names pop back up. It seems like two weeks is enough time to nurse away that Ryder Cup hangover for guys like Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, uh, Xander Shoffley. And, and Xander is the guy that I think deserves to top this board. You spoke about Vegas residents. He got a key to the city yesterday from the mayor. Doesn't get much more Vegas than that. But I, I do think that he is a guy to watch this week. Listed at 12 to 1, Colin Morikawa is getting a lot of attention because he is a member at this week's course, the Summit Club, which has never hosted a PGA Tour event before. So a lot of people are just latching onto that information because it's in a vacuum. No one knows anything else, but that Morikawa is a member. So I think that his number is a little short as a result. But listen, Xander Shoffley, limited field event, sign me up. Whether it's Kapalua, Eastlake, we saw at the Olympics, It's there's something about this event and this format that he tends to really shine. He knows how to play in desert golf. He plays a lot in Vegas. So he's definitely someone I have my eye on. Someone a little further down the board that I really think is worth circling this week is Tyrrell Hatton, another guy that was at the Ryder Cup, but was on the other side of it. He's listed at 40 to one, kind of in that plus 325 range for a top 10. But Hatton, listen, he might like pumpkin spice more than any of us because he has six (laughs) European tour wins. Four of them have come in the month of October. This guy just gets it this time of year. He also has one more in November. And, and this is an event that he finished T3 at a crosstown last, last year at Shadow Creek. He plays really good in desert golf. He won in Abu Dhabi earlier this year. So he is, is more of a value pick. I think Xander deserves to be near the top of the board, but I think Hatton is, is definitely a good mid-tier pick, pick to focus on. Oh, that was all absolutely fantastic information. Never knew that about Tyrrell Hatton. Uh, I'm going to be following this closely now. Uh, only action for me so far in this one. I took uh, Morikawa plus money head-to-head versus Justin Thomas. And uh, I've seen a little value on the board on Gooch for whatever reason. He's in matchups and, uh, and in the outright market. He's a little short by my numbers. Any long shots that you like to finish uh, kind of inside the top 20 as, as long as we're out there? Yeah, last week we came very close with Jimmy Walker. He was 9-1 to on a top 20 at the Shriners, finished T24. That's, you know, horseshoes and hand grenades and all that stuff. So uh, going back to the well, and it was the same number. Listen, I wrote my column yesterday on NBCSportsEdge.com, and I had Ben on at plus 900 for a top 20 finish. He has since gone down to plus 650. Drew, you're a numbers guy. That's a big move. So I'm not quite as bullish on it as plus at plus 650 as I was plus 900. But this is a monster week for Ben on. He has been a mainstay and a staple on the PGA Tour for several years. He was a former U.S. Amateur winner. He won the biggest event on the European Tour, the BMW PGA. But he has lost his PGA Tour card. He played really poorly last year. He's in this field because this event typically is played in South Korea, relocated because of the pandemic, and it gives spots to the top-ranked Koreans in the official World Golf Ranking. So he got one of those spots. This is a rare opportunity for him to really post a number and rack up some points as he looks to regain his PGA Tour status. So when you look at this 
event. It's a limited field, only 78 guys, no cut. So you know on the weekend, some of these guys might be checking out. Maybe they're more interested in the craps table on Saturday night. Venon is going to be focused regardless of how his first two rounds go. He's going to look to climb that board. So he's definitely a guy that I would look to back in matchups, especially head-to-heads over the weekend. You know, when you look in that top 10, top 20 range, I do think that he's someone that you could potentially bank on to overachieve this week, given how poorly he's played the last few months. Not being sarcastic when there probably is a correlation with people that like to go out at night and gamble and how they perform in Las Vegas. Ben on plus 650. As you said, to finish in the top 20, our edge projection agrees with you. They have him projected to finish 17th. Um, we heard from a head-to-head, a head-to-head matchup from Drew. Well, I always leave you with that, a head-to-head, a little bit of value play here, certainly. And um, what do you like? Yeah, the thing I like about golf head-to-heads is sometimes you're playing on a guy and sometimes you're fading a guy. And I'm going to go door number two this week. I'm taking Jason Kokrak, minus 125, against Max Homa. I think the numbers are shortening on Homa in light of his win a couple weeks ago in Napa. But when you look at this particular course layout and the dynamics involved this week, I don't think he's going to have a really good week. This is a Tom Fazio design. He tends to play relatively poorly against the others in the field on Fazio courses. This is bent grass greens. He really plays better and putts better on California Poa, where he's from. Also putts well on Bermuda in the southeast. Kokrak is coming in as the defending champion. I know it's a different course. He won it at Shadow Creek last year, but I do think that there's going to be a little bit of motivation for him over the weekend to continue to move up the board and make sure that he's putting together a solid title defense. This is the first time he's defending a PGA Tour title. And so I think that overall, there's definitely a little bit of value taking Kokrak against Homa, who I'm overall very bullish on, but I think this particular week, the setup isn't going to be favorable for him. That sounds fantastic to me, man. 65% of the bet count on Max Homa, but 74% of the handle on Jason Kokrak. There you go. Part of that that handle of Will Gray's handle itself um, going on (laughs) with the defending champion, Jason Kokrak. Love it, Will. You're the best. Thank you so much. Will is on Twitter at Will Gray GC. Be sure to check out his analysis. A lot of his in-depth plays and articles on NBCSportsEdge.com. Will, next time, please come on and um, have a nice Halloween background like our former guest. (laughs) We'll talk to you soon. Just off screen, I assure you. It's here. (laughs) I assume that. We'll talk to you soon. The NFL season is in full swing, and the NBC Sports Predictor app has you covered with Sunday Night 7. Predict what will happen between the Seahawks and Steelers on Sunday night for a chance to win up to $100,000. It's free and easy to play. Download today from your app store or visit NBCSports.com predictor. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.
We now get to get a look behind the sports book, a peek behind the curtain at points bet with head trader that goes to himself, Jay Croucher. Jay, thank you so much. There is a lot to get to. I'm going to start here with Thursday night football tomorrow because I have seen a little bit of money come in on the home team, the Philadelphia Eagles. Tampa Bay was laying seven. I'm now looking at six and a half. The total is 52 and a half. I look at some of our edge projections and they actually like the over. Um, haven't made a play on the side nor total. I do happen to like some props in this game I'll get to later, but has there been a lot of action now coming in on the Philadelphia Eagles? Yeah, so with the spread, there's a decent amount of activity on the Eagles. And it's interesting with the Eagles, like every single week they firm, um, the line moves in their direction. So there's someone out there with a model who really likes Philadelphia. It hasn't really manifested itself on the field, though they did look good in the second half against Carolina. All of our action on the money line, though, is on Tampa Bay, where people aren't laying the points with Tampa, but they are taking them at the money line. It's the start of a lot of parlays for the weekend, um, but at the spread, more activity on the Eagles. So uh, we'll be hoping to kind of split the difference there. And I, I think one of the most interesting things to look at here is just the continued evolution of Jalen Hurts, who we're now treating as just a pretty good quarterback. And I don't think the difference between Jalen Hurts and, say, a Derek Carr is as significant as most people think. Uh, we saw what Jalen Hurts could do, you know, in bringing Philadelphia back against Carolina. So he's still going to be outmatched by Tom Brady. Um, but, yeah, it might be a more interesting quarterback battle than, than some expect. Oh, it's, uh, count me in on, on the Bucks side of this one. Um, do not uh, know why they are shorter than a touchdown personally, especially with the rookie head coach and inexperienced quarterback on a short week and also an ability to really attack down the field against uh, maybe the one weakness that Tampa Bay has on defense right now. Look, looking at kind of broader scope here at the NFL, just curious your thoughts on how, you know, the overall – uh, standings are shaping up and some of the, uh, you know, potential, maybe if there's any soft spots in the market, as we look into the, uh, you know, who is potentially going to land the one seeds in each conference, as I kind of step back and just evaluate strength of schedule, three teams really stand out as uh, soft schedules coming down the stretch. And they are Buffalo, Tampa Bay, and the Dallas Cowboys. Is uh, any reason to look at Dallas currently at eight to one as a potential backdoor to get to say 15 and two or 14 and three? Definitely. I think there's the avenue that's open there for the Cowboys. Um, we're still, we still don't have the Cowboys at the same level uh, on talent as a team like Tampa Bay or Buffalo. And the fact that Tampa Bay and Buffalo have, you know, equally easy schedules that, that vaults them above Dallas, but certainly there's room for Dallas to, you know, get ahead of, of the NFC West winner because that division is just, you know, it's a mess in terms of the amount of tough games that teams have to play playing against each other. Although with Russell Wilson going down, it gets a little bit easier. But I think the team to look at here is the Buffalo Bills where their schedule is a joke. Um, it seems like they played the, the Jags and the Jets on repeat for eternity. There is a very good chance that if they win in Tennessee on Monday night, that they could be going into week 14 at Tampa Bay on an 11-game winning streak. They're going to be favored in every game. And they are, they're obviously an excellent team. And they showed that against Kansas City. And they're going to be able to sleepwalk to a lot of victories. And, you know, after that weird loss at Pittsburgh, uh, against Pittsburgh in week one, they've really taken care of business against the bad teams. And they've also taken care of business against Patrick Mahomes. So there is a very, very good chance that Buffalo get the one seed. Incredible that uh, Tom Brady leaves the AFC East, finds his way onto a team that also has a soft schedule. 
but then now Buffalo Bills and the AFC East are just completely one-sided in terms of uh, likelihood of winning that division. Yeah, that's a great point. If you look even just kind of before this season, the numbers, I wish I got involved with Dallas at 25 to one <laughs> now because of your case. And it makes a lot of sense for Buffalo plus 380 and then Dallas now at eight to one, probably going to stay away. Maybe Dallas with their offense has a little bit of value also with the eight to one. I want to transition here to Major League Baseball because we're getting a game five and I was rooting for a game five for most of the series. We didn't happen to see that, but we do have an epic Epic one in the NL West, of course, with the Dodgers and the Giants and the NLDS. Game five now going back to San Francisco tomorrow. Really low total, even on both sides, minus 110, six and a half total. Now we know that San Francisco and Oracle Park is a pitcher-friendly park. All hands are going to be on deck. It's a crucial game five. I'm curious from your guys' standpoint, will you be rooting for one or the other just because of futures market or what kind of action you've now taken on this game five? Yeah, so it's all lined up perfectly. Uh, it's just an amazing matchup. It's Pickham's minus 110 each side. It's not too often, um, Sarah, like you said, that you know you get a total as low as six and a half for a game that features the particularly the Dodgers offense. But you know, expect this to be a pitching matchup. As we get closer to game time, I suspect that we'll be cheering for the Giants just because, you know, people tend to talk themselves into the Dodgers, particularly in the futures market and then also game by game. But this is lined up, you know, really well. And it's a shame that, you know, it's the only series that has gone the distance. But if we were to pick one, this would have been it. So there should be a lot of interest uh, in what should be, you know, a fitting conclusion to this NL West where the Giants win 107 games, the Dodgers win 106 games and then the only way to separate them for the rest of the season is, is a winner takes all game so uh, everything's lined up perfectly just out of curiosity when you have a game like this that's so consequential for not just this series obviously but the you know the as you mentioned the nl futures market then the overall world series futures market do liabilities in other markets play any factor in how you line the money line or do you consider them effectively independent we try and consider them effectively independent just because we're always trying to just set the line right and then live with the consequences after that. You know, we don't want to be, you know, chasing our positions in other markets. Um, if we've laid the Giants to win a lot or the Dodgers to win a lot in the NL or the World Series, you know, if we're adjusting our game line just to try and um, catch up against that, then we're just shrinking our expected margin. So yeah. Um, yeah. that's we're just trying to set the line right and then um, and then hopefully it goes our way. God, interesting. Um, I want to go into the ALCS and the series prices right now. When these opened, quite surprised to see the Red Sox plus 125 and the Astros minus 150 after watching the Astros kind of make lighter work of the White Sox for the most part in those games. I thought the Astros were going to be around minus 200. The Astros are the favorite right now to win the World Series, and I understand that argument. Uh, Mattress Mack has certainly made some news with that as well with the Astros. have been tailing them closely. We had him on the show a few months back. <laughs> Um, what is your guys' liability like with the Houston Astros? Because they had a lot of noise surrounding them last season. Dusty Baker comes in, kind of quiets that. And listen, they're a really good team. Um, I am just more curious about, are there a lot of Houston Astros lovers out there besides Mattress Mac? Boston's a really public team, obviously, with the Red Sox and their history. What are you guys kind of rooting for in here? And what do you suspect how this, uh, how this series plays out? Yeah, so two really interesting teams because Houston, despite the fact that they make the ALCS every year, they have this absolutely loaded offense. There's just not been a lot of respect for them in the market all season. I think it's because of that rotation, which, you know, previously was Verlander, Cole, Greinke. Now it's older Greinke, Lance McCullers, Luis Garcia, Framber Valdez, who are all 
really good pitches, but they just don't have the aura that a Verlander or a Cole has. So it's been a little bit of a lack of respect there. And then also Boston, who, you know, all season were kind of treated in the AL East as, you know, behind Tampa and the Yankees, and then even at times behind Toronto. And Boston, they're a strange team because the knock on them all year was their depth and the fact that, you know, if one of their big guns went down, like Bogarts, Devers, Martinez, or one of their top starters goes down, that there's not much behind them. Well, doesn't really matter anymore because they're all healthy now and they're all here and the top of the lineup is stacked and the top of the rotation is stacked. So I think it's maybe a more even matchup than, than some might expect. Most of our early money has come in on Houston, you know, largely just because, you know, they are the home team. They do have more history and just with the preseason prior, they're expected to be a better team than Boston. But this one is set up really nicely to, to go to go pretty far. Mm. It feels like deja vu all over again for 2018. I can't I, like this Red Sox March yes. is like uh, yeah, yes. at, at this at this point. I you know you're gonna you're gonna make them the dog. That's fine. Uh, probably should be 50 50, but whatever. I'm curious uh, your thoughts about another race that does seem absolutely wide open, and it is in college football. We mentioned it previously. Who's winning the Heisman? <laughs> yeah. Well, your guess is as good as mine, Drew. If you know. Please do let our traders know. I think that, yeah, it's it's obviously gone all over the place. Spencer Rattler was the favorite at one point. Now he's basically done. He's 66 to 1. Uh, we still make Bryce Young the favorite, even though even after Alabama's loss, like he wasn't the reason they lost to Texas A&M. Um, but obviously that loss hurts his case. Matt Corral, who was briefly favorite, you know, getting stomped by Alabama hurt him as well. And now the thing about the Heisman is that people can come from nowhere to win. Devonta Smith uh, had gigantic odds last year at various Absolutely. points before coming in to win. And so there are some long shots, um, you know, when you look further down the board who people have gotten on. One in particular is Kenny Pickett, um, the quarterback at Pittsburgh, who's firmed pretty significantly. And now, you know, Pitt have a real path to win the ACC now because there's a chance that, you know, with their division, which isn't the most difficult, that they could get to the title game and not have to play Clemson, who already have two losses. And that would only help, you know, Pickett's case. And then CJ Stroud is the other one. Uh, where he's close to the top of the odds board. But, you know, particularly after what he did on the weekend and the stats that he's racking up, um, he's become our biggest liability for the awards. So we'll be hoping that, you know, um, their tough schedule will slow down Stroud. But yeah, this is anyone can win this award. It does. And it doesn't matter that most of the Heisman voters probably don't know who Kenny Pickett plays for. <laughs> Well, that does hurt his case a little bit, but uh, if they win the ACC, maybe some some will start to know his name. There's a little bit of buzz just quietly building, Drew. Okay. Without Kenny Pickett, maybe. I'm, not yeah, I'm I'm hearing it, and I'm seeing some first overall pick uh, tickets start to come through on Pickett as well. So I think you're right on that regard. Yeah. We'll keep an eye on Kenny. Jay, sorry, we've had you for a long time. I do have a curious question about this market because Drew and I have talked about it off air a ton. It seems so open. Is this a market where you guys, the head traders and yourself and other traders are sitting and watching the games and changing the numbers every single week? Or is it more like you're taking action and then moving the numbers from there? Oh, uh, no, this is one we try and keep a close eye on just because like the nature of awards markets, are they are so subjective. It's not like, you know, 
Buffalo beats Kansas City and then everyone really moves them in the same direction in the AFC and for the Super Bowl market, markets that are so solid and liquid, whereas these awards markets, prices vary greatly across books. And so these are the ones in a way, even though they don't take as much activity, you have to pay more attention to because you can't just, you know, you, you can't, there's no real market consensus. So you really have to do know what is happening and keep a close eye on it and adjust prices rapidly. Okay, interesting. Jay, thank you so much. Follow Jay on Twitter at CroucherJD. He's with us every single week here on Bet the Edge, giving us a peek behind the counter at PointsBet. He will also be on tomorrow, blitzing the board Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern on our NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel and Peacock after that. Jay, thank you so much. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Drew. It's fascinating to hear about the awards markets in particular with the Heisman Award. Uh, I'm hoping a running back wins. It hasn't happened in quite some time. Need to get involved after what he kind of said. They fluctuate across the board. Drew, this is the time of the show. We wrap up on this fall pumpkin spice Wednesday. And I say, what do you have for me with your favorite play on the board? Well, we're going to the NFC North where the leaves are turning and uh, the fall has truly set in. And we're backing the Minnesota Vikings who are taking on the Carolina Panthers in a mismatch of just general team quality and market perception, in my opinion. Uh, I think the jig is up. Carolina is not good. Um, and uh, Sam Darnold has not taken a meaningful step forward, even in the absence of Adam Gase. It, realistically, there are some issues with Minnesota's secondary. There are some ways you can attack and really hurt this Minnesota defense. However, uh, with Sam Darnold unwilling or unable to really make the downfield shot count for the Carolina Panthers, I think Minnesota is in prime position here to get a win, take themselves to 3-3, three and three and uh, really kind of position themselves for a wild card spot here in what is an otherwise relatively unimpressive NFC conference. I think Minnesota comes in with two paths to get this win here. One path is they can get out to a lead and play with the lead. Carolina is not a very good team in comeback mode at all, as we saw against Dallas. Mm -hmm. And then alternatively, we've seen Minnesota has been able to go shot for shot when they are when their defense does not show up on a given night um, or a given day, they can absolutely play comeback mode well um, you know their ability to open up the playbook and really get Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen involved is pretty obvious and I think uh, you know in the case that Carolina gets out to a solid start here and Minnesota has to come back I'm not sweating this happy to take Minnesota at minus one ultimately think they get this win this may turn into a team with the ball last sort of thing wins and in that case give me Kirk Cousins with Justin Jefferson on his side every day of the week over Sam Darnold and company so Minnesota minus one at Carolina my edge of the day for this Wednesday. Love everything you said. This line actually flipped a lot of places at Carolina uh, minus one. Now, of course, money came in on the Vikings. Probably some people that Drew knows, not I, took the Vikings <laughs> to move this line minus one. No, I seriously do like this. Um, to your point, I would take Kirk Cousins and the combination of Thielen and most likely Justin Jefferson, um, one of the best wide receivers out there against the offense for the Carolina Panthers. Going to some prop action, Drew. I actually was um, working a little bit last night, placing some bets, and I found something I love, and it's for Thursday night football. I was shocked to see this line open where it is. The Bucks are going to be in Philly, of course, playing the Eagles. So before this kind of game and prop gets more action, I'm going to take Leonard Fournette over 62 and a half rushing yards now. I think he's set up for another really good game against an Eagles run defense that are allowing the fourth most rushing yards. If you look back to last week, we talked about the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Chubba Hubbard had 101 rushing yards again 
against the Eagles. Fournette is coming off 67 yards last week against the Dolphins. Didn't have to run much. Tom Brady had five touchdown passes. Um, he had 92 rushing yards against the Patriots in week four. Not to mention, I do think the Bucs are going to run the ball a little bit more because the Eagles defense is really strong against the pass. They're actually limiting quarterbacks to the third fewest passing yards so far this season. It's also worth noting, and you talked a little bit on the top of the show, um, that the Bucs passing defense is a little bit concerning with all the injuries. So take time off of the clock, keep Jalen Hurts off the field, run the ball a little bit more. I do like Leonard Fournette in this spot. I think he has an awesome matchup on Thursday against this poor rush defense in the Eagles. So give me Leonard Fournette. Money's coming in. This was a 61. Now we're looking at 62 and a half. I still like the over. That's what I have for my edge of the day, Drew. No, that's, I think that sounds fantastic. And I realistically, um, this is one way traffic for Tampa Bay, in my opinion, in this game and uh, the likelihood that Leonard Fournette is being asked to put this away in the second half is high. So fantastic. Look, got a prop action, have a ton of soccer plays, obviously NFL stuff from Jay all over the place. And of course, golf talk with Will getting ready for the second week in Vegas. I'm going to be keeping my eye on not only the pumpkin spice lattes, but who's struggling on Sunday because we've all been there. We've all been there in Vegas. Thanks for joining us here on our NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. Good luck with all your plays. Drew and I will be back here tomorrow on Bet the Edge powered by PointsBet. We'll talk to you then. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all handpicked from family farms then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois.